we find ourselves this morning in between sermon series. We've been, we celebrated Christmas this week, so Advent is over, and we are wrapped up our Advent sermon series, and starting in January, we're going to look at what it means that for Christ to be our great shepherd. What does it mean for Christ? We know that he's our savior, but what does it mean that he's our shepherd as well, and what does it mean for us to be his sheep? And all that to say, we're in between sermon series right now, so I got to pick whatever I wanted to preach on this morning, and we're going to be looking at First uh, Samuel 15, and we're because it's a text that I think really speaks to where we are as we head into the new year. That the new year is a time to think about how we've grown, how we've changed over the last year, how we want to grow over the coming year. And First Samuel 15 speaks to one of the things that can hinder that growth that we desire as believers, that can keep us from living like Christ in the way that we, that we want to. And so as we listen to what God has to say to us as a body, one more time this year, would you please stand? And we're going to, uh, in respect for God's word, if you're able, and we'll read from 1 Samuel 15, starting in verse 1, and we'll, we'll jump around a little bit. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them into lane, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. In verse eight or verse seven, and Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless. They devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Um, if you'll skip down to verse 20. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep, and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. 
For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have your seats. And as you do, I'm going to go to the Lord and um, pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we, we ask that you would open our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Lord, we know that you, um, you have something to say to us this morning, and we pray that you would say so clearly, that you would place that on our hearts, and that, it would, um, that your word would impact our lives that it would impact the way we think, the way we feel, the way that we act, everything that we do. Um, Reveal yourself to us this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We consume more more media, more information, more voices than any day before. I mean, the the numbers are unprecedented. Uh, One stat I found that the Barna Group did a study that among 15 to 23-year-olds, they spend an average of seven and a half hours a day on screen media, so TV, social media, the internet, just all of the above, versus 30 minutes a day taking in spiritual content, reading the Bible, praying, listening to sermons. Another stat I found said that among Americans as a whole, consume 10 hours a day of digital media. TV, internet, social media, what, etc. But then if we're honest, we don't really have to, we don't really need statistics to tell us that we are exposed to an incredible amount of information, an incredible number of opinions of people's thoughts and ideas of voices in the world today. Through our phones, TV, our, the internet, and it's not just the digital side, it's the books we read. It's the conversations that we have with neighbors and coworkers and family. And it's not all bad either. Right? We have unprecedented access to God's word. We can, we can throw it up on a screen. We can pull it up in our phones. We can listen to podcasts and blogs from smart and godly people who help us to understand God's word. But many of the voices that, we're, that we hear in the world are in opposition to God's voice. And it can be difficult sometimes to, to, to tell the difference, to know what voice we're actually listening to. And the main point of our text this morning, the question that is posed to Saul, and the question that's posed to every one of us, every moment of every day, is this. It's what voice are you listening to? We see this decision placed before Saul right off the bat in verse 1. It says, and Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the, and the Hebrew actually adds a word here where, so that it reads the words of the voice of the Lord. So God starts by reminding him of the ways that he's blessed Saul, that he placed him on the throne as king. And then he gives him this command, listen to my voice. There's two words in verse 1 that show up throughout the text. It's the word listen, which in the Hebrew shows up eight times, 
from the word voice, which in the Hebrew shows up seven times. And these words show up over and over again because what's driving the story is the question of whether Saul is going to listen to God's voice or not. And it actually starts off pretty well. If you look at verses 2 and 3, uh, God gives him this command to, um, to execute judgment against a sinful nation. We know from verses 18 and 32 that the Amalekites were evil people, that their king at least was guilty of war crimes, that they had done heinous things. And so God tells Saul to, put, to go and destroy this nation, put them to death. And in verses 4 through 7, that's exactly what we see him doing. Right? Verses 4 and 5, he gathers the people of Israel together. In verse 6, they warn the, the Kenites, or this nation who is living with the Amalekites. And basically they say, hey, our beef isn't with you. You haven't done anything wrong. Get out of here. And then verse 7, Saul and the Israelites engage the Amalekites in battle, and they win. But then verse 8 is the first indication that something's gone wrong. And then verse 9, it kind of ex- gives us a fuller picture of uh, what Saul and the people are doing. It says, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. In other words, God said, when you go, I want you to destroy everything. And they're keeping back the best for themselves. They're giving God the stuff they don't care about, and they're keeping back the best for themselves. Now, I want us to stop for a minute and think about the flow of these nine verses. Because it starts with a command from God, from the voice of the Lord. And then Saul actually sets out to obey the command. He's going to destroy the Amalekites. And then next thing we know... Saul disobeys God's voice and goes his own way. And before we jump to judging Saul, I think it's helpful to look at our own lives and ask, are there ever times when you know what God wants you to do, you set out to do it, and then you don't? And you get to this place where you're looking back and you're thinking, how could I have avoided that? What was the disconnect between what God told me to do what I actually did, between what I set out to do and what happened. And Scripture gives us a lot of reasons for this disconnect between what we want to do and what we do, between what God tells us to do and how we live. And one of the reasons, the one we see in this text, is the presence of other voices in our lives, other voices that are feeding us different values, different ideas um, that are feeding us lies essentially, versus the truth that God's voice speaks. So let me paint you a picture. This is what, um, to be honest, this is what my day looks like a lot, and I don't know if this is what your, your day looks like, but you wake up in the morning, and if it's a good morning, you spend time listening to God's voice through some sort of Bible reading, whether it's on your phone, actually pull out God's Word, you know, listening to it on audiobook. You're reminded of Christ's grace, of his death and resurrection, the love he calls you to, and you're filled with gratitude towards him. But as soon as you step out into the world, 
you're bombarded by the voices of coworkers, blog writers, who are painting a different picture of a world that where you have to get what you want, where you have to, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world and you have to just grab what you can find. Where beauty is found not in Christ, but in, but in the things around us, whether it's possessions or, or other people or free time, whatever it may be. And next thing you know, that gratitude that you had is gone and you're just kind of living your life like you would anyway, if you'd never spent time in God's word. And this way, I think Saul gives us a picture, and this may be a little bit overly bleak, but I think Saul gives us a picture of our own struggle with the voices around us, voices that can compete with God's voice, drawing us away from him. And in verse 24, Saul gives the reason for his disobedience when he says, I have sinned because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Between the time that God gave Saul this command and he actually had to carry it out, this other voice got into his head and made him deaf to what God had to say. My goal for the rest of our time as we continue to go through this text is for us to begin to analyze the voices that we listen to, that we hear on a daily basis, and to ask yourself, what voices am I listening to? What effect are those voices having on me and the way I treat others, the the way that I live, whether, whether I really see Christ as beautiful. And to really think not so much about the voices that are, that are out there, but the voices that get in here, and the voices that, that we want to hear, that we want to listen to, that we like what they say. Because those are the voices that we really need to analyze and to think about. And as we, as we look at these voices, as we go through this text, and we look at the story of Saul, there's really two characteristics I think we can pinpoint that, that all of these competing, these voices that compete with God, things that they share. The first is that competing voices feed us the lie of self. And the second is that competing voices deafen us to God's voice. So competing voices, they feed us the lie of self. There are lots of different, different voices um, in the world out there, whether they're on the left or the right or just different people have different views. and They can all sound different at the outset, but any voice that isn't God's voice is going to tell us the same thing, that it's all about you. Right? It's all about what you do. It's all about getting what you desire. And we see this in Saul's response after the battle. So Saul has, God gave him this command, he goes out, he's victorious. What would be an appropriate response there? To worship, right? To praise God, sing a song, set up a monument to God's greatness. But instead, as we learn in verse 12, Saul sets up a monument to himself. He's taking credit for this victory, saying, hey, look what I did. I did this. I am the hero of the battle against the Amalekites. Because the voices around him, the voice of the people, they're feeding him this lie of self, of depending on his own strength. It's, it continues to be a lie that we hear in our culture as well. We all, um, the world around us tells us, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. That, it's, that what you do 
is what matters. We're encouraged to be self-sufficient, and not just in a good way as far as you know, being responsible, taking care of what God gives us, but of being, um, you know, being a rock, an island, taking care of ourselves, taking care of our own needs and wants, and our own strength, believing that it all falls on our shoulders and our strength. I've noticed in myself recently this tendency that any time I'm offered help, my immediate response is, no, I've got it. No, I'm fine. Just last week after church, Becca and I, we went, went to lunch with the Rayfords, and we got out of the car, we pulled up to the restaurant, got out of the car, and lo and behold, Eloise pooped, coming out of the diaper, um, but she was wearing tights, so it was contained in the tights, so I was, picked her up, was carrying her to the bathroom, there was nowhere to change her in the bathroom, so I went back out to the car, and as I was heading out to the car, Becca asked me, do you need any help? No, I'm fine. Um, got out to the car. I was not fine. Um, we made we made it through. We're you know everyone's alive and there's everything. I, but I got back in the restaurant. I was like, hey, next time I say I'm fine, just just come out with me anyway. Like, um, but the the point is that just this that tendency in me that she offers help, and my immediate response is just no, I'm fine. I'm believing. I'm listening to the voice that says that what matters is my strength, that I have to do this on my own. I can't accept help because um, it's, it's all on my shoulders. And where this gets really dangerous, I mean, it can be, it's still not healthy spiritually any time, but where it gets really dangerous is when it creeps into our spiritual life. When we're drowning in sin and pain and we say to Jesus, no, I'm fine. I can, I can, I can get myself out of this. But God's voice steps into our self-sufficiency, to our tendency to think that it falls all on our shoulders and reminds us that what matters is not our strength, but his. It's not our glory, it's his. And in God's words to Saul in verse 1, he starts by reminding Saul of the way that he's blessed him, right? that he made him king over Israel. But then even in the command to strike down the Amalekites, there's the understanding that Saul will succeed because God is with him, because God is going the one who is going to win the battle. And we need to hear that same message, right, that it's God is the one who's going to win the battle. Because otherwise that voice telling us that it's all about you infiltrates our hearts and it affects our actions. And when the, that competing voice enters your walk with Christ, Right, and tempts you to say, no, no, I've got, I've got it. I can, I can get myself, I can clean myself up, I can take care of myself. The voice that we need to hear is the voice of Christ from the cross, saying, it is finished. That you are not sufficient, you cannot, it is not about your strength, because your strength just simply isn't enough. But Christ is sufficient. Our worth and our value come from, from him, not from our own our own strength. So the first problem with these competing voices is that they feed us the lie of self rather than the truth that Christ is enough. And the second problem with these competing voices is that they deafen us to God's voice. So one of the slightly humorous parts in this text is the way that Saul greets Samuel. I don't know if you'll notice that in verse 13 where 
Samuel comes to Saul after this instance of disobedience. And Saul, Saul's response, when he sees Samuel, he says, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He's kind of happy, right? He's like, ah, Samuel, bud, we've done it. Good to see you. But I think Samuel's response is perfect. He says to Saul, what then is this? And it's actually, this is where that Hebrew word voice shows up. What is this voice of the sheep in my ears and the voice of the oxen um, that I hear? Samuel is saying, hey, I can hear with my own ears that you've, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, that you weren't listening to the voice of the Lord, that these other voices have gotten into your head. And then in verse 18, Samuel continues. He says, And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? So here again, so actually in verse 19, where he says, Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? That obey is that is the Hebrew word that we saw in verse 1 where it was translated listen to. So it's, what Samuel says is, why did you not listen to the voice of the Lord? And it's not that the ESV translators are taking liberties with the text. Um, it's that right, this Hebrew word carries, for listen, carries with it the idea of obedience. So I'm sure kids in the room, y'all can help me, that if your mom says, are you listening to me? Is she only concerned that you hear the words that she says? No. She wants to know, are you hearing my words? Do you understand what they mean? And are you going to do them? Um, right? And that, in the same way, this Hebrew word for listen carries the idea of obedience, of listening to what God says and actually doing it. And in this way, this idea of listening to God's voice is the bridge between our theology, what we believe, and how we live, actually putting it into practice. God wants us to carry our theology with us every moment of every day. So having right theology means that when, when we're listening to God, we understand what he says. Right? And that's essential. It's essential that we, we understand God's word, that we're able to, um, right, that we read it, we're able to rightly interpret it, and we understand who God is, what he's done, all of those things. But listening to his voice means that we carry that theology with us. That throughout our day, we're always listening for God's voice. We're always thinking about how his word applies to whatever we're doing, whatever situation we're in. Saul's problem wasn't that he didn't understand what God said. There's, um, we, he doesn't and, you know, seem to misunderstand God's command, his problem is that he let these other voices deafen him to God's voice. So that he, he hears God's, he listens to God, and he walks away, and he's listening to these other voices. And they drive out what God says to the point that it becomes apparent in verse 20 that he basically convinced himself that God wanted him to spare Agag and keep the best of the sheep and oxen. Because your actions, and really your beliefs even, are going to follow the voices that you listen to. So if you're listening 
So the voice that says that happiness is found in whatever your definition of the good life is, whether that's you know, money, family, uh, just being able to put up your feet in the evening. Right? If you're listening to the voice that says that that's where happiness is, then you're going to start, as you listen to that voice, you're going to seek after those things rather than God. And, and it's not always explicit. So there's, there's bad theology that says that Christianity is all about doing what God says so that he'll give you good stuff. But then there's just, right, but then you can have the right theology. You know that God wants you to seek after his glory, wants you to do what's, um, to seek after the glory of his name. But then you can walk away and you're listening to these voices of the culture that are saying, hey, seek after what's best for you. It's all about getting good stuff. And even though you're holding on to right theology, you're still, you're listening to that voice and the way that we live, we start, you know, you, you get more excited about the gifts at Christmas, right, than about God who gives them. And um, the point is that the way these voices work in our lives, it can be subtle. It's not always that they lead us into explicitly wrong beliefs, but they lead us to, um, to live in a way that reflects, um, that doesn't reflect the truth. And that's why it's important that we take time to analyze the voices that we listen to, um, to in order to make God's voice the loudest one. And this starts with regularly taking in God's voice through his word and scripture. Because right? if you're not spending time in God's word, listening to his voice, then you have no reason to believe that you know what God's voice sounds like. If you're not reading his word, you have no reason to believe that you can distinguish it from the other voices in your life. And that's why we spend, why it's important to spend time in God's word is to ensure that his voice is the loudest and the weightiest voice in our lives. Um, but it's not just about, it is about spending time in God's word, but it can't stop there. And we already talked about it's kind of how, how easy it is to read our Bibles and then walk away and then not really have any effect on our lives. And so if we kind of think about the pic, just a loud room, whether it's a restaurant, a stadium, somewhere where you can, you know, when you're in those places where you can barely hear yourself think, much less someone talk. And, you know, it's just the, all of the, the noise and the voices, it just makes this mishmash of noiselessness. In that such setting, what are the voices that you actually hear? It's not the voices that talk the most. It's the voices that are the loudest and the closest to you. And so listening to God's voice, it's about carrying his voice with you and always listening to it and keeping it close, making it loud, giving it weight in your life. And at some point, you have to figure out for yourself what that looks like. Because for some people... Music is really impactful. I mean, for me, I was thinking, even as we were singing, His mercy is more. The times when just been struggling with my own legalism and that song just pops into my head. And, right, and I hear God's voice reminding me that His grace is sufficient. For you, music, it may not be as impactful as the things that you read. 
or um, or just the um, yeah, is it, maybe it's the things you read, the things you see, the pictures. But then also it's about regularly asking yourself, regularly listening to God's voice and developing just that habit of thinking, how does God's word apply to this situation? How does God's word speak into this moment that I'm in right now? Because these competing voices, they can deafen us to God's voice. The voices we listen to are important because they can affect how we live They also affect our eternal destination. The voices of the world, they lead us into sin and death. Um, They tell us lies. We've already seen that some with Saul, that he listens to the voice of the people. It leads him into disobedience. And he continues over and over to not listen to God's voice. He misses opportunities to repent, to admit his wrong. Until finally, in verse 24, he, does, he says, I've sinned. And he's really just trying to get in good with, with Samuel so he can keep, uh, so he can save face before the people. And for the rest of uh, his life, we see him just walking down this path of destruction. Here at the end of this chapter, uh, it says that Samuel never saw Saul again. It's another way of saying that Saul never again heard the voice of God. In the next chapter, the Spirit of God leaves Saul. Saul watches then as David takes his kingdom, as he loses his family. Um, Jonathan loves David more than Saul. And then eventually, the thing that Saul really wanted, the approval of the people, leaves him as they begin to see David as their king. And because Saul's listening to these voices, they lead him down this path of destruction. And the voices, but so the voices that we listen to, they can affect how we live. They lead us in this path of sin and death. But the voice of God, it leads us in the way of truth and grace and life. You see, John one that we read earlier refers to Jesus as the Word, or the voice of God. That Jesus is the voice of God made flesh. And he comes and he speaks truth and life into, um, into us. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. This text calls us to listen to Jesus' voice, to the voice of God where, where you will find life. So don't leave here this morning without beginning to answer the question of what voices you're listening to. What voices compete with God's voice and compete with the life-giving voice of Jesus? Because those voices, they have the power to lead you towards death or towards life. So let's, let's pray to God now um, and ask him that he would help us to hear his voice. Heavenly Father, we um, thank you for for your word, for the, um, this, this story about Saul. That is, it's full of tragedy for Saul as he um, listened to other voices, but it's full of, of life for us as we are reminded that you, um, that even when we don't listen to your voice, even when we're unfaithful, that you, you are faithful and that you always are there to, um, to speak to us again the realities of, of your grace, your love, and to call us 
repentance. Thank you for that. Um, we pray all of these things in the name of um, Jesus Christ, uh, your word.